0: Newsbreak Podcast. A very good afternoon to you. Welcome to the program Newsbreak Talk today. I'm Tadej Hari Pashad, keeping you company with the latest uh, from your world and providing you the opportunity to talk about it in great detail. So um, today's focus was to be on the uh, situation south of Durban. Um, that is following the blast last week at the N G N oil refinery that injured seven people, um, and what emerged from there was a very angry community. Community, um, you know, tired of constantly having to live in fear, having to bear the brunt of um, um, health hazards, uh, often seen in the form of. Pollution, often seen in the form of explosions and, um, you know, not being able to um, rest assured that something could not go wrong in the area. So uh, a blaze at the end End Refinery um, resulted in a community in complete tenterhooks once again, and they... Thronged out in their numbers to protest, to uh, take this particular issue to the streets of of Durban, south of Durban, and to hold NGEN accountable for um, the sorts of um, what they allege to be malpractice that takes place there on a daily basis. Now, I started off by uh, inviting NGEN to join us for a discussion on this. Of course, there's been a lot of intervention. NGEN itself has uh, claimed that they are investigating the latest explosion and they are um, looking into the matter. Um, NGEN has declined after a week of constantly trying to them onto the broadcast to talk to us today and provide some answers to the community. Um, Endren has uh, not responded to any of my uh, requests to um, have them on the program so um, nonetheless we continue with the conversation because I think our job here is to canvass the view of uh, the community of the public and um, we want to go ahead with that and you know provide you with the opportunity um, to talk about this and to uh, take this conversation forward to air your views basically uh, so I'm joined on the line now by the air, Cont- air quality control officer at the South Durban Community Environmental Alliance that's Bongani and Tembu now um, this week there were two levels of protest: one on Wednesday and then one on Friday uh, where about you know on Wednesday we understand about 500 people gathered in their numbers to protest and to hand over a memorandum to Andren on their concerns and on um you know what they're calling for um now we're going to find out exactly how that panned out and let's say hello to bongani on the program bongani thanks for your time
1: good day uh how are you uh, appreciate
0: uh you making the time to talk to us about it and and and, and bongani, let's talk about you know the week's uh, proceedings then we understand that the community came out in their numbers and held demonstrations outside of engine um Talk to me about that community involvement because they seemed very irritated.
1: Yeah, you know, um, the community of um, the fence line, uh, Indian fence line, they're up in arms um, due to the disappointment that um, the top management of the refinery, Indian refinery, displayed on Wednesday when we went out and picketed, and uh, only to find out that none of them came out to receive the memorandum. So then, what came out of that uh, Wednesday picked is that we're coming back on Friday. That was the last Friday. And then uh, we actually went there on Friday. But before that, I think it's also very important for me to just um, mention exactly what transpired. The um, uh, Wentworth uh, Colonel, uh, Mr. Um, uh, um, uh, Zane, Files, uh, I just forgot his name, sorry. Um, apparently, he went out of his way to try and get um, uh, GM of Engine uh, to come and receive a memorandum on Friday. Because he, I think for him, he understood when he was on the ground, when, it, when this transpired, that, you know what, the community are angry, and uh, they're also showing that, you know what, they won't give up until the GM comes and receives the memorandum. So then, Mr... Fanzale um, uh, from the Colonel Fanzale from Winters Power Police Station took it upon himself to arrange uh, a call with uh, GM and uh, try to plead with him to come out on Friday to receive a memorandum to avoid the state resources having to be, uh, you know, channeled at one place over and over again. Because, as you know, whenever there's a picket or a protest, the state resources need to be, uh, you know, in that uh, in that particular area. Like for example, you're looking at steps, metro, uh, as well as the intelligence need, needing to be on the ground. So, you know, he made uh, a numerous attempts on that uh, on that Wednesday, and um, he couldn't get a hold of the uh, uh the GM. Eventually, uh, around about 5:30, then he received a call from him. And then he pleaded with him to say, you know what, you need to come and receive a memorandum because it's within your mandate to come and do that. And, uh, you know, uh, and he assured him that, you know what, uh, to receive a memorandum, it, it has no, um, uh, you know, uh, legal, um, uh, you know, uh, sort of like, uh, um, um, uh, it, it, it doesn't uh, legally uh, find him in anything, but it for him, to say he, he, he does acknowledge that the community has came with concerns and then they addressed it in the form of a memorandum. So then um, that was a success because he was able to plead with him and urge him to come out on Friday, and then the agreed time uh, was uh, for him to come up at 9 o'clock. So we then went for a Section 4 meeting on Thursday before Friday, before the event. So that's when Mr. Fanzai actually uh, uh, informed us about him attempting, uh, you know, to get a GM. And then basically he then told us that uh, he agreed he will come. And then uh we he assures us that uh, he'll come at nine o'clock. And then the GM came on uh, at nine o'clock, um uh, sorry, not at nine o'clock, I think it was around about twenty past nine. And that on its own, you know, the community was very, very disappointed in him because it did not respect time, number one. He showed that he disregards, you know, the importance of the issue, the disaster that have been happening over the past decade, the Indian refinery because we're talking about a refinery that is sixty six years uh, you know um, residing adjacent to the community, and also I think it's very important to also mention the issue that um, where engine is situated that that is a residential area it's not an industrial area so engine is obliged to ensure that they um, they, 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 they follow the permit regu- the permit regulations as well as the uh, city by laws but we've seen on numerous occasions that the Refinery continue to explode, continue to emit toxic, high volume uh, pollutants into the communities of Wentworth, Bank, and Treasure Beach in particular, and that's why there's a number of health cases, especially the cancer, leukaemia, and asthma, uh, especially around those fence line communities, due to the um, you know the different pollutants like your sulphur, your sulphur, your ammonia, VOCs, and so forth. So when he came, we then gave him um, uh, a loud hailer to speak and address the community. But before he came, before he we gave him the, the mic to speak, we then uh, read out the memorandum to him, and then we made him sign the memorandum. We took a copy sign, we also gave, we also gave, uh, issued him a copy sign, and then we said, we need him to commit On the mic and address the community as a person that has received the memorandum as the GM of the company. He totally refused. He said he cannot talk to us immediately when we handed over the memorandum to him. He sent it back and he left. I personally called him on the loud hailer, on the mic, you know, telling him, Haseem, you need to come and address the community. And the community were angry just by that attitude that he showed, that he displayed during that time. They were very angry.
0: Yeah. uh, So, I mean, obviously, there's no response coming through and to date we don't have one. Um, What's in the memorandum, though? What is the community demanding?
1: Yeah, I think that's very important. Um, We have concerns as well as demands. So basically, our concerns, uh, I'm not sure, maybe should I say our concerns or should I actually go to our demands? Probably, let me go to our demands. Uh, you know, the community, what's good about this, um, uh, you know, about this memorandum? It was very inclusive. Different organizations that represent these um, adjacent communities formed, uh, you know, the drafting of this memorandum. So, basically, number one, we demanded that accountability from engine senior management, as well as compensation for damage to so all the families that lost or, or their properties were damaged on the 4th of December, as well as full transparency and independent investigation of the incident. Number three, more meaningful employment opportunities because one of the most frustrating things as well around the engine refineries, is that the adjacent communities do not get uh, the opportunity for full employment. Or permanent employment. In most cases, communities of near Bank Wentwood and Treasure Beach in particular, they only get employment during a shutdown phase. And the shutdown phase, you'll be surprised because I'm just making a, a typical example. When I joined the organization in 2008 May, the shutdown period for engine or surface, that time it used to be about three months to four months at least. But to date, when when engine does a shutdown, you'll be surprised it's only two weeks. And that is the reason why engine refinery continue to explode and get out communities of South Level because that means it's all about maximizing mining profits at all costs, because they know for a fact when they are doing maintenance shutdown, that means they are not making money. So now they try to do a, a patch up job and then get the refinery up and running so that's why communities of South Devon continue to experience explosions and fires uh, from the refinery. And the other, the other, the other demand as well is number four: full, trans, full transparent audit of engine operations, That's very important. A public apology to the communities affected by engines. So we need either the CEO or the GM to do a public apology. To all the affected um, uh, communities of South Durban that experienced um, uh, inconvenience and health effects and trauma, uh, you know, during the, the incident of 4th Defe- December, and also number six, an ongoing meaningful engagement with the community. That's very important that that, that should, to, to actually take place. Number
0: I want 10. to talk about that, Bongani, before yeah. you continue. I mean, you're saying active um, engagement. And yeah, I think what's coming through, and we can deduce that, is that there seems to be a lack of it. I mean, you were not able to get NGEN to speak with you when the community converged there. I think uh, you know myself as, uh, as a section of the media, um, in terms of public interest here, not being able to get a reply to the request that I've asked um, to NGEN to speak with us Um, and I think what's coming through in the community many are saying that what um, they don't have is an emergency evacuation plan from NGEN should any of this happen they don't have um, you know an assurance that maintenance takes place all the time and I wish NGEN were here to talk about the level of engagement they have with the community so let's talk about that you know how damaging do you think it is um, to have a climate where NGEN um, on the doorstep of the community like that but failing to maintain a communication link with the community
1: i think i think that it's just a total disrespect that engine is displaying on the community to some extent i'm not sure why engine feels that they are not accountable to the community if i were to compare apples with apples you know, we as an environmental justice and human rights organization in the STCA, we have met with the GM of Saprex, a refinery adjacent to the very same uh, refinery we're talking about, Engine. And that GM, Mr. Victor Pester, has always opened his doors to us to say, whenever we have concerns that had to do with the community, they put things into perspective and they resolve every issue that the community has. But ENGINE, from the date I actually joined the organization in 2008, to date, ENGINE has refused to meet and engage with us as, as community representatives or any legit structure that uh, that represents communities of the uh, fence line communities. So that, to us, it shows that the refinery is arrogant, does not um, adhere or respect our Constitution, our South African Constitution. For example, if you look at Section 24A in our Constitution, that reads, everyone has a right to a clean environment that is not harmful to their health and well-being. That Constitution on its own, if communities, if frontline communities were to challenge engine based on that section, it would be a fruitless exercise. Why I'm saying that? Because unfortunately, you know, the system, our constitution, as well as our authorities, they just so relax. They have not held Indians to so accountable for many, many decades or due to the explosions and fires. And that's why Indians feel that they are lost to themselves.
0: Yeah, I mean it sounds like a grisly point of uh, of view there um and let's talk about um you know prior to this explosion right what level of engagement, and I know your organization works very closely with the community to provide better air quality um, and, and, and you know environmental compliance and, like you yes. are we saying, their constitutional compliance. Um, yes. What level of engagement does your organization have with NGEN on an ongoing basis, I mean, even prior to this explosion? You know, that's,
1: that's a good question. There is no engagement at all. None. Whenever we write emails to the GM, uh, either the GM or the GMPA or any top um, management of engine, there is no reply whatsoever. Because they disregard uh, the communities that they are affecting. They disregard literally any structure, uh, you know, that represents the communities of South Devon. So for them, they don't feel that they are accountable to the communities that they pollute and they get on a daily basis. And this becomes a problem because it shows the arrogance, you know, the, 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 the corporate arrogance. And this is a shock and this has been going on for years, for decades. In communities of South Devon, they're really bleeding and they're really fed up with the, 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 the attitude that the refinery management has actually displayed over the past decade. And it's totally unacceptable. And they're claiming to be a, a good neighbor, yet they just do not uh, display that uh, a good neighbor uh, you know act. To date, when the incident happened, the industry has. Or I, I believe that you you are aware that there was one uh, one girl uh, one child that's uh, 11 years uh, 11 years of age. She was burnt. She was one of the victims of. Um, uh, the flat that confirmed during the, the fire engine. The only time engine, I was speaking to the father of the child yesterday uh, in the afternoon, the only child, uh, the only time engine, enga- I mean, communicated uh, with the family, it was yesterday around uh, about time. From the fourth, they only decided to reach out to the community yesterday. That shows that, you know what, they, they, they all about profit and they just disregard community health
0: and community rights. Hmm. I'm going to go to WhatsApp now very quickly because there seems to be a lot of messages coming through about those Bongani. So stay on the line. Let's listen to them and we can also talk about them You know, um, um, as, as they progress. Um, and uh, let's listen to a voice note that's coming through on the program. Hello there.
2: Good afternoon to Taresh and the team. Uh, Taresh, uh, for the GM of Engine to display such arrogance is not good at all. For Engine has been a part of that community for many, many years. And for many years, the people have been crying out because there have been such uh, atrocities due to the refinery being in a residential area, the pollution, etc. Uh, you know, people were getting sick, children were getting sick. Uh, my nephew was on site when the blast occurred. And today is lying in the hospital due to the blast. So at the end of the day, this GM really needs to catch a wake up and he needs to face reality. The prospects of making money is good, but he needs to face reality, and many lives have been affected by this. So, our cry to that, uh, whoever he is, the GM of Engine, that he needs to catch a wake up and he needs to come and face reality because he needs to face the community and the people. We all are in, so standing in solidarity with the communities of uh, Wentworth, Meerbank. And uh, the area that's being affected. Thank you, Cedric of Bayview in Chatsworth.
0: Thank you, Cedric, for that uh, contribution. Uh, let's go to this message by Mr. Salim Adam. Hello, Mr. Adam.
3: Hi, good day, Teresh. Good show. Always enjoy your show. This is Salim Adam. Teresh, we are very concerned at the tragedy or the incident that happened at Injun. You know, these things do trouble the people, particularly in view of the fact that when this refinery was built, it was built so close to the residential area. Obviously, there is a case of very poor planning, but one must balance this whole episode. You see, this refinery is the essential player of the economy we need energy we need to run our cars and a lot of other industries on fuel and the engine refinery produces full fuel which is totally and absolutely necessary number two is this refinery plays a role in the whole of the durban south precinct. we need industry because it creates jobs it brings in revenue as well for the municipality and for other other you know economic activities. You see, there's got to be a balance. When it comes to this kind of industry, there's always collateral damages. We have so many trucks on the road. There's daily accidents. There are accidents happening in industries all over. You know, the health and safety regulation must be observed. So, you know, end of the day... It is not a dangerous refinery. Knowing that it does cause pollution and affects people, the fact that this has happened and there's going to be collateral damage, there's going to be a balance to it. I think there's not much can be done. We need the industry, and as far as that is concerned, you know, people need to look at whether they want to stay close to a refinery or if they don't want to, they can sell up. And move out. We need industries to boost our economy.
0: Mm, a differing opinion there from Mr. Salim Adam, but one of balance nonetheless. That we we will definitely be talking about. Uh, Mala says um, it's really sad to hear about the destruction and explosion at engine and. Um, with one family member being burned, this should be a wake-up call for Engine to compensate the affected families. engine needs to take extra precaution to avoid such explosions from occurring again, and they should have a good maintenance plan. Um, they've been neg- negligent and need to apologize. That's from Mala. And um, another message here. This is from and uh, Naidu, I think, from Pingo. Uh, Engine and Saprev have really sh- uh, shortened the shutdown period because I work the shutdown at Saprev. They need to empower people from the area um, as employment opportunities are concerned or move their plant elsewhere. Uh, and he also says tell Bungani I back him and everything he says. He must contact me and I'll show him how to get engine management to come down and talk to us. We are local people and we need jobs, yet they employ people from Cape Town first. So the issue of jobs there is also a um you know a dicey one. I live another message anonymous says I live in Mirbank. Um with fear, every waking moment for my life, explosions go before the sirens and and no sirens first. So we don't know when uh, might be our final moment. We now have the... Um... Okay, yeah. So that's uh, Mia Bank talking about the concern that they live with. Um, and Bully Muddy from Queensbury says, it's a great topic. Today there are many large corporations like EnGen who are big enough to take over countries and yet they are still looking at businesses from one quarterly balance sheet to the next quarterly balance sheet. That is not good enough. They must invest in human health, safety and education for both workers and community as their first priority. Okay, Bongani. So, a couple of points coming through there, and a lot of them concurring yeah. with you and in support of you. But I think Salim yeah. raises an important point. A lot of the community members that we're talking about actually do work at Enron, so their livelihood is coming from that uh, uh, that particular plant. So Enron plays a very crucial role in the community as well, don't they? Uh,
1: that's a very important point, uh, Sarish, because uh, you know um, people um, unions, for example, are for employment, and we also for employment. You know, because we know that people have to. Uh, you know they are dead winners at NFTA working the refineries, but also I think we need to take into consideration when my colleague and I went to present um, in Parliament in 2019 November to the Department of Environmental, uh, Fisheries and Forestry uh, Portfolio Committee. You know it was uh, so basically two refineries was uh, were invited, that is Engine Refinery and Sappros, and then uh, ourselves uh, the organisation as well as uh, the CTR officials that are responsible to monitor and regulate these industries to so my surprise um you know okay uh did not pitch up to to, to some for, for some reason and then uh, engine pitched up the ceo was there with four african ladies um and then um, uh, mr Bruce Day from his Grade uh, one prince Scorpion in the city uh he presented you know, display a, a honky-dory picture, a very gloomy, glossy picture to say, you know, everything is, uh, you know, uh, going according to plan, industry, uh, uh, complying and so forth and so forth. And then immediately then I was given the opportunity to present. And my presentation, uh, Suresh, was full of facts. The explosion, the fires, the pictures, and, 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 the bucket, uh, bucket samples that we test. That we do on a, new, on a on a on a on a a numerous uh, 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 basis, you know, results from a credible lens. You know what I displayed? I displayed a picture of the fence line community, what they experience on a daily basis. Like this one a gentleman from Bank that stated, you know, they have to sleep with one eye open, and it's so unfortunate because that is a fact. You know, for most communities. You know, residing adjacent uh, to these refineries, especially, uh, you know, uh, Indian refineries. For example, uh, uh, for sure, Suresh, you, you heard about the, the, the local gas spill that happened in India in 1984, where people, communities were sleeping at night, and then the Union Carbide uh, company then gets out a the community. Hundreds of thousands of people died in their sleep. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, that's definitely a definite um, concern. Uh, so I think what we've established thus far is that you saying and the community saying that the negotiations with NGEN has really fallen on deaf ears. Um, negotiations with government? I mean, where is that? Do you take these concerns to government, and has there been any sort of intervention on that side?
1: That's very important, Tarish. The, the 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 city officials—they are lacking. They have not. They just don't have the energy in their bodies. And it's not all of them. I need to correct, not all of them. There's a, there's a handful that really want to do their job properly. And there's a majority uh, of these officials that basically they only rely on us as the community organization to call them. Example, one of my duties since I do air quality in, 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 in the organization, I have to drive around uh, on, you know, randomly. Or else, the community will call the organization to say it's either me or or went to the treasure beach or the plaque or whatever the case may be to say, I'm, I'm so-and-so or a person can be anonymous to say, I'm experiencing some, you know, toxic um, uh, smell in the atmosphere. Then I have to drive there, you know, and then immediately when I get on site, after just, you know, smelling, and then I will call responsible authorities to say, I'm here at a certain place. I need you guys to come out here and explain what the communities are experiencing. It's not our our duty, Suresh, to actually go around and sniff around and see where the program uh, is at. 2 officials, they have got resources, they have got vehicles. They are monitoring stations around South Gaveen, there's 16 of uh, um, these monitoring stations. And up to now, we're still questioning if these stations are all fully functional because They are not in a selling condition. Some of these stations, when such incident happens, when we ask for data, they will tell us that unfortunately the station wasn't operating uh, operational on that day because there was probably a power failure or whatever the case may be. That on its own it shows the negligence from the city officials to say, you know what, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing because these. The, the city officials they are responsible for the public they need to ensure that whatever they do is in the public interest and we face to understand uh, a great a grade 1 a, a grade 1 green scorpion person to go in parliament and and, and and present a gloomy glossy picture to the parliamentarian, and then come bongani from an organization based just across the road from the Indian refinery, then present a different picture, present a, a, a reality in the South Government. And they were, they were fuming, because they were fuming, the parliamentarians were fuming at the official, Mr. Frufstein, because they saw that they, they've, been, they've, been, uh, they've been misled.
4: Yeah. And
1: this has been an ongoing problem. Because what we see, Tarek, is that, you know, there's they, 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 this, this environmental racism that continues to happen. The black, uh, I mean the Indian, coloured communities that are uh, in the fence line of 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 engine. This is pure environmental racism. And we also need to understand that when engine came, there were indigenous communities residing there. So that's why up to date, that place where engine is built is a residential area.
4: Yeah,
0: most definitely. Well, you know what, Bongani? I think what we're going to do now is um, earlier this week we did. Um, Receive a particular, I think the most amount of information that we did from Engine and I think just it would be ethical and it would be um, balanced if we were to bring that particular feature into the uh, the conversation. This was a story that was done uh, in Cape Town by a parliamentary correspondent and uh, the managing director of Engine Yusa Hassan, says they are in the process yeah. of verifying claims of those affected by the blast at the petroleum refinery. Um, Hassan says, was part of a delegation that briefed Parliament's Environment, Forestry and Fisheries um, Committee on the latest developments. It has been reported that seven people were hospitalised with light injuries and people from nearby flats relocated to temporary accommodation. This is a report by Zeline Merrington.
4: Engine says the investigation into what caused the fire at its Durban South Refinery is still underway. In the meantime, assessments of damage to infrastructure and injuries among the communities in the surrounding area are also continuing. The managing director at NGN, Yusaha Hassan, told MPs at this point no decision has been made with regards to compensation for affected community members.
1: We are already in the process of actually verifying and assessing the claim uh, and we will actually take appropriate action uh, based on the verification and assessment itself. We have actually proactively uh, provided um, residents, so at least about six families, uh, due to claim that they have actually been affected by the fire itself. So we have taken that proactive measure uh, on goodwill basis, uh, just uh, you know, um, just to emphasise that the care for uh, we have to the community, community.
4: But representatives from two NGOs say last week's blast has left the surrounding community shaken. Bobby Peake from Groundwork and Desmond Dessar from the South Durban Community Environmental Alliance told MPs of the experiences.
5: Engine has exploded since the day it has started. Engine has come into the valley. It has destroyed us. It has taken away our dignity. It has offered our brothers and sisters work that has killed us. Engine is here to take and then leave us with a toxic legacy. They are getting out, they are leaving, and they're gonna leave us with a toxic time
2: bomb. Engine is denying everything. Everything is all right. Nobody has been affected, but here, people have been affected in a bad way. Not only with their their injuries, but also their homes are all damaged. The people's food has been damaged, their furniture has been damaged, their curtains have been damaged. Who's gonna take care of us?
4: The chairperson of the committee, Fikile Klasa, has called for more engagement with the community.
2: I think there's agreement about uh, this social interaction, that it has not gone the best way. So it suggests that there must be intervention at the highest level. But for purposes of satisfying ourselves, we would be taking note of what the whip was saying the possibility of us getting to happen despite the, the uh, uh, COVID 19 and uh, despite the fact that we are also on recess
0: yeah so that report by zeline merrington and bongani i think uh just you know we tried to give, bring the balance aspect into it uh, as we as you leave us now, because we do need to go to our next interview, um, you know, what's the way forward? I mean, you said seven days now for engine to respond to this memorandum, and what's going to happen?
1: Yeah, uh, that is, so today, um, this afternoon, we're meeting at one of the churches in Mayer Basically, that meeting is open to everyone at the public meeting, but especially the Engine Fire Committee, uh, this was um, uh, established. We are meeting uh, at three o'clock at um, number uh, 96 Raupander, Raupander Road uh, in Meer Bank. Uh, the church name is Mini- uh, Love, uh, Ministry of Love, Love Ministries Church. Here, just uh, next to the freeway, uh, M4 freeway. So basically, that's where the outcome uh, will will come out to say if engine doesn't respond. Uh, in the coming week, uh, what needs to be the next step?
0: Yeah. Bungani, we thanks for your time. Bungani Mtembu, the air quality control officer at the South Durban Community Environmental Alliance, will stay in touch with you as best we can.
1: Thank you very much. Resh. Keep on.
0: Take care. So, yeah, that was the uh, conversation about engine. I want to go through some more messages now before we move to our next uh, issue that I want to raise today, if we can. Ashish says all motorists in show of solidarity and support of the residents should... Um, a, a, a residents around engine should boycott all brands of fuel refined there. Prem says if Engine refuses to take corporate responsibility, boycott Engine, refuse to buy any engine products. It's the only way their profits is threatened that will uh, that engine will wake up. Mudli from Phoenix says, uh, thanks for this interview, lovely topic, someone has to take responsibility. Sam from Tungat says, remember the apartheid government planned the refinery there as no whites resided in the Sapingo Beach, uh, an area um, that was made for, uh, for India. So definitely again talking about the apartheid legacy. Okay, when we come back, we just draw your attention very quickly to uh the Matric exam. The court rules then that they will not be um the Matrix will not be forced to rewrite the elite national maths and paper 2 and physical science paper 2 we'll talk about that when we return
4: vlog tip number three make sure you're the only one in the room before you record maybe leave it to the pros and get your dose of espresso to get you moving weekdays 6 a.m lifestyle tips plus inspirational stories on afternoon express weekdays at 5 p.m and stay on top of what's happening with trending essay weekdays at 6 p.m and the insider every tuesday at 7 30 p.m if a little bit of tea is what you need escape the norm with SABC3. The stage is yours.
0: Now, the Pretoria High Court has ruled that the decision by Basic Education Minister Andrew Mochecha to force Matrix to rewrite the elite National Maths Paper 2 and the Physical Science Paper 2 is irregular and unlawful. Mochecha and the National Examination's Ir- uh, Irregulation Committee, the NEIC, are also ordered to take all necessary steps to ensure the examination answer scripts of the students who were not involved in the irregularities be marked in accordance with the management plan for the papers. Lila Machnes reports.
6: Judge Norman Davies, in his 32-page judgment, found the Basic Education Minister Andy Muchekas' decision that the Maths Paper 2 and Physical Sciences Paper 2 must be rewritten after the exam paper leaked, irrational and unlawful. He found that Motshekha didn't have the authority to make the decision by herself she was supposed to decide on an appropriate course of action jointly with the Director General of the department, which she didn't. The court also found the percentage of the students who had access to the leaked papers to be small. In Maths Paper 2, it was 0.6% and even less in the Physical Sciences Paper 2. The court ruled that Umalusi acted irrational when it indicated to the minister that it might not certify the exams in February next year. Judge Davis further says no reasonable person would have opted for the rewrite dates of the 15th and the 17th of this month rather than in the first week of January. Civil Rights Group Afri brought the urgent application on behalf of former TRIX. Their lawyer, Willy Spies, says the judgment is a win for honest, hard-working people and a message that people can't be punished for wrongdoings they have no power over. We
3: are absolutely delighted about this judgment. This judgment shows that good, hard-working people can still win the fight for justice. We are looking forward to the rest of this process and we're wishing every Matrik a wonderful holiday.
6: The organization will request that the department make known what steps will be put in place to prevent similar transgressions in future. When a
1: crime is committed, it needs to be investigated. If a perpetrator is identified, the perpetrator needs to be arrested
3: and punished for the wrongs that's been done. That's the only way to er eradicate wrongdoing and eradicate crime.
6: The court ordered Mocheka and the National Examinations Irregulations Committee to pay the legal costs of all the applicants. I am Lila Magnus in Pretoria.
0: Okay, let's hear from the Department of Basic Education. I'm very happy to be joined on the line by spokesperson for the department, uh, Mr. Elijah Amschlanka. Elijah, thanks for your time.
5: Yeah, good afternoon. Thank you so much for having
0: us. Elijah, so the reaction then from the Department of Basic Education to the Pretoria High Court ruling?
5: Well, uh, every department are disappointed because the court did not deal with the main issue which we had raised uh, in our paper, and that's got to do with the credibility of the examinations. I can hear that after hours, the forum, the CS is saying that it's a big it is a mistake for anyone to say this is a victory, because the results of this examination uh, still have a cloud hanging over it, saying that there were two question papers that had leaked and uh, learners had seen them before the examination could start. So you can't proceed as those things are normal. There's no victory here. Remember, the main issue is that Umalusi will still show the results. And if they decide to say that you cannot verify these results, You cannot sign off on the results because uh, they were not credible, they were not uh, fair because of the leaks. Then we'll have other problems. And the only time you'll get to know that will be in February.
0: But according to, um, you know, what was uh, revealed in, and, and pronounced upon in court, in the maths paper too it was just 0.6% and even less in the physical science paper too of the, um, you know, percentage of students who had access to those leaked pa- papers. So the number the court cites is quite small.
5: No, the number is quite small and the number is said to be small simply because The court used the report that we gave them, and that report is dated 30th November because that's when we, that's when the investigating team gave that report to the department. But remember, it was only after a week's work. Since then, we have discovered more things. So no one really knows where the paper went to, how many people accessed it, and uh, how people used it. The investigation is ongoing. Our fear is that. The number is small, yes, but it's in every province. And remember, the number that we are talking about is the number of people who appeared in various WhatsApp groups. We are not talking about the other people who did not report to the department that they had access to the paper. So the fact is that we don't know how many people have seen it, and we don't know how many people have used that paper. So to us, that is a matter of huge concern.
0: Another point of contention then, Elijah, I mean, you, you, you're citing there about the fact that that 0.6% was a dated number and that it, 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 it um, you know, had the, the, the ability to snowball. So why then provide dated numbers to the court?
5: No, remember when the minister held a media briefing on the 18th of November, she said we can confirm that two Christian papers at least and have instructed the examination people to investigate and give us a report urgently by the thirtieth of November, before the exam can come to an end, so that we can understand the source of the leak and how it happened, but so that we can quickly establish the extent of the spread of those leaked question papers. That report was presented to C E M, that Minister and And on the basis of that the decision was made that because we don't know how many people have seen it and because we don't know yet the extent the true extent of the spread of the new question paper, we better order a rewrite. So it was based on that.
4: Yeah, That's what yeah. I'm
5: saying the investigation is still ongoing. And since the last time the report was submitted, more work has been uncovered, both by the Hawks as well as the national investigation task team of the department. That's why we're saying the first thing to do is to have a real right so that we move forward with certainty.
4: Yeah. Right yeah. now
5: we are not moving forward with certainty because we don't know what Umaluk is going to say with the reverse, Seeing that some of the question papers been
1: leaked.
0: Elijah, it was also um, found in in the Pretoria High Court that uh, Minister Mocheka uh, you know, didn't have the authority to take the decision by herself. That she didn't consult with the Director General of the Department. Uh, how do you respond
5: to that? No, the judge made some terrible mistakes. For example, he says that CEM is not a formal body. That's completely incorrect. CEM is established by Section 9 of the National Education Policy Act of 1996. It seems the judge was in a rush when he wrote this judgment, and he missed some critical uh, legislative um, provisions that are there, that have put the minister in the position where she is for her to have been able to lead this uh, decision of ordering a rewrite. So there are serious mistakes in that judgment that we are going to be challenging. That's why we feel that we can't just take that judgment as it is. We need to challenge it because there are errors there. Some of it is just glaring things. I mean, you cannot say C M is not a formal body when the law is there. All you need yeah. to do is to just do a quick search. And as a judge, with the research would have expected that to be already known. So such things show that the, the judgment in, in, in itself it's problematic. Of course, the issue of the revising, we don't have a problem with that, because anyway, he delivered the judgment very late on Friday. He had said two, but he delivered it at four. So that was late for us to say anything regarding the actual revising. It's only coming now, on Tuesday. And you can tell that in terms of the, the time that we have we, have, we wouldn't have had the time to challenge that. So we thought, okay, it's so fine. Let's leave that part to, to, to happen. Let's agree with the, with the judgment but let's focus on the other aspects that really need to be challenged. Okay, so Elijah, talk to me about started.
0: those aspects. Then what challenge process are you now going to be instituting?
5: No, I mean, the fact that you challenge the authority of CEM, that's a big thing because you're saying that everything that we, we, we did was irregular. It cannot be irregular if it was done by a formal vote. So the fact that you say CEM has no authority, that's the fundamental issue that we needed to focus on. That's the first thing. The second thing, he did not focus on the credibility of the exam, and he also did not say anything about the role of Umar Luce and what Umar to should do. In fact, he plunged the entire exam situation into chaos, because right now, Umar Lucey can still say, we are not releasing this results. So what does that mean if he says withhold the results of all the learners in South Africa who were writing math and physical sciences? It means that all 390,000 learners would not be able to get their results. That's if Umalusi decides in that way. If he had gone further to direct Umalusi in a certain way, then we'd have him. That's why we're saying now that what the judgment has, has done is to just focus on whether the rewrite must happen. In fact, he's even going to suggest that the rewrite could happen in the first week of January. You know? and And the other thing is that, He focused on who made the decision, and yet none of the four applications questioned the who part in terms of who made the decision. It was out of his own um, will that he decided to to, to focus on who made the decision. It wasn't something that was challenged in court. The applicants wanted the rewrite to be cancelled, not to happen. That was so he went to other things that were not asked for. In the, in, the, in the court documents by the applicant. So there's various there things there that the lawyers are dealing compiling that... Yeah, so you're appealing the it then court.
0: legally, Elijah? Sorry? Are you appealing the, the the ruling legally?
5: No, we will. I mean, in the media statement which we issued yesterday, we we'll make it very clear that we will be approaching the court.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks for that, Elijah. I think as you leave us then, and I just want to talk about this, um, what emerged was that there was... Uh, irregularities in the examination for whatever reason but they were leaking of papers to here and there were several others um, going into it now for the future how is the department approaching this to ensure that this doesn't happen in the future because it really sets a major sort of chaos not only for the department versus the legal system versus um, civil society organizations but mainly for the learners
5: yeah, you see, the context here that is being forgotten in this whole discourse about the leak is that we had these papers leaking in a year when we're having a combined examination. We have the May-June examination, which was supposed to be taken place in May and June, but didn't because of COVID-19. So we had to move that exam, which is usually written by adults who had already failed the metrics before and were now given their second opportunity. Plus, those that were already writing this year talking about the current score of research learners. So this was a combined examination into one. And that expanded the numbers to over a million. We then mean that as a department we also needed to expand our capacity for us to be able to handle this record number. That means we needed to also contract companies to do the printing because they are printing more now than ever before. So we needed to bring in companies that had never worked in the department before because we're printing 24 hours a day. Then that brought a risk at the printing area in terms of the value chain of the, the production of printing paper. So that's, that's where the risk has been. It was not in the distribution. It was at the printing section of, of, of the process where we had problems. So under normal circumstances in the past four years, we never had that. The previous week of 2016 happened at a, an independent school, which means... From printing to distribution, there was no problem. But the person who owned a private school decided to share the question paper with the learner. So we closed that down by changing the way we were distributing the paper. And now, with this unique situation brought on us by COVID-19, because we needed capacity for printing, that's where now the book has taken place. So we know where the leaks are happening and where it has happened before. We have closed that book hole and now it's emerging in a different place. So next year we don't believe that we'll be in this situation of COVID-19. We'll be back to the old way of doing things and we'll get rid of all the, um, the, the, the people that are not supposed to be there so that we work with the honest people that have always been part of the system.
0: Yeah, Elijah, well, we thank you for your time. We'll keep uh, track of this and to see how it pans out. Um, but I think as you leave us in just a quick sentence then, Elijah, so at this stage, and I know you're going to go on, on, on and appeal this and we will like to see how this one pans out. But at this stage, you know, as at today, um, that 15th and 17th scheduling of Maths Paper 2 and Physics Paper 2 is not going to happen at this stage, Right.
5: Yes, no, there's no no real idea on the 15th and the 17th. So we we asked all our matriculants to to please take care of themselves because already on Friday, three matriculants died in the Northwest province. And they were coming from a a, a post exam celebration. And 11 of them suffered serious injuries. There were 14 in that in the past. So you can see that there's a lot of recklessness because. Of, of the exam doesn't come to an end and we don't that. i mean now you have families who are currently grieving so we all these active mass gatherings we urge people not to do them because they're dangerous you have worked very hard but you're not going to receive your results because you're not alive
4: yeah
0: no that's i think that's a wise way to end elijah thanks for your time elijah mklanga there from department of basic education we'll stay in touch thank you so much OK, there you go. So the Department of Basic Education going to be challenging the Pretoria High Court ruling that the decision by Basic Education Minister Andrew Motreka to force Matrix to rewrite the leaked national maths and physics paper um, is irregular and unlawful. OK, WhatsApp is still talking very much so about NGEN, but I got a message here from Anonymous um uh, who says my colleague's son got the paper in Durban. He gave it to his family, friends and classmates in five different townships in SA. Just think how many students did receive it. I'm shocked. Ronnie asks, what is the mandate of Malusi when um, then we can move forward? Also, let us not have a default matric of 2020 where institutions want a credible past that may create a problem for the students so definitely looking at a lot of broader issues and future issues going um, into the into um, academic um, studies for the learners long term back to Andrew and then Sarah Kasim says in terms of the danger posed it must be determined whether the refinery must go or the people must go so far only a few incidents occurred uh, happened over the years alternatives must be explored what is must for the community and for the economy, Nelisha says very informative topic regarding engine. they should be compensate whoever was infected. they must find the result um uh, sort out the problem, be more health and safety conscious do maintenance as often as possible because many people uh bread and butter does come from engine she says so yeah, those are um you know, points today to talk about on the program. We hope we've provided you with some information and some insight into a lot of the challenges that we've been reporting on. I'm going to leave it there now. The broadcast came your way courtesy of the team executive producers, Salma Patel and Rachel Vadi. We'll talk again. Tomorrow is going to be an edition of Newsbreak between six and seven. Your morning dose of cutting edge current affairs. I'll be back in midweek to talk to you. From Meeta Hey. have an awesome day.
4: Newsbreak, Lotus FM,
2: powered by SABC News.